Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 750 with Nick Kokanis. You know, most restaurant owners concentrate on great food and great service. And that's it. You know, atmosphere, service, all that. But everything that encompasses hospitality, they think, is just that. But where do most of us live right now? Well, we live on these things. You have to meet the, the customers where they are. And then you have to know what they enjoy before they before they get there. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Whether you want to accept it or not, more and more guests would rather text instead of speaking over the phone. Well, if you don't believe me, then ask the 9 out of 10 customers who want to text a business or the 80% of customers who want contactless curbside pickup. Here's the kicker. Only half of the businesses in America are text capable. I know it's crazy. So right now, set up a business texting line and immediately get an advantage over your competition. No cost, no contract, no reason not to get started. Head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash podium and get podiums starter version free. That's restaurantunstoppable.com slash podium. What are you doing right now? I'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new POS. You're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo, and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended POS on the show by a landslide. Guys, if you use my link, not only will you get the incentives that Toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. All right. What's going on, Unstoppables? I have such a great episode for you today. I know you guys have been listening to me say a lot lately that I want to slow down, that instead of trying to get new people into the network, I want to get uh, the people that I've already made connections with and who I, I my gut tells me are the people we want to be paying attention to and uh, people that I've had on the show in the past who I've just been really impressed by. I want, I'd rather get them back on the show instead of getting new people on the show. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, we have Nick Kokanis joining us. He was on the show. He was episode 333. He was actually one of my first ever on-site interviews. I was out in Chicago for the restaurant uh, association trade show out there and the national restaurant, the national restaurant association trade show. And, um, we just connected out there. I, I really admire uh, him and what Grant Ackett's are doing out there with Alinea Restaurant Group. If you guys aren't familiar with Nick Kokanas and Grant Ackett's, or Grant Ackett's they are the founders of, uh, of the Alinea Restaurant Group. Uh, they started that in 2005. They wanted to, to open next uh, the Aviary and Roysters. Uh, and what they're doing, I love the. The, the story behind this place. Uh, the, the quick story is just that Nick Kokanas saw something really great in Grant and gave him an opportunity, uh, partnered with him. Um, and they created the Alinea restaurant group. And before the restaurant industry, Nick was involved in dividends trading. Uh, so he has no experience in this industry. And I think his, his, his experience as a dividends trader just gave him like this set of skills, uh, this perspective, the, 
to look at our industry in a whole new perspective and just to see opportunities all over the place, which is one of the reasons why I just wanted to reconnect with this dude and to see where he sees the industry going with this unique perspective. Uh, they went on to, to create talk, which is the, the reservation system that's uh, that, that they created to implement in their restaurant next, which basically reinvented themselves. I think it was every 90 days they would reinvent themselves and they would sell the, instead of like, selling reservations or giving reservations to the restaurant or offering reservations to the restaurant, what they would do is kind of treat it like an event and they'd sell tickets and they, depending on when you would want to book this event, if it was to say a, a Saturday versus a Tuesday, the, the price, the value of that event, event would be different. So they would charge accordingly. And uh, that's how talk was born. Now talk has scaled across the world. I think people are using it uh, thousands of cities and it's been getting recommended so many times in the show. I, I, so basically they say success leaves a trail and I'm just following the breadcrumbs right now. And that's why Nix is, is back on the show. I'm really interested in his perspective and I, I wanted to learn more about what's going on with talk just because it's been, recommended so many times recently on the show. And I think that with COVID-19 reservation systems are going to be really important in the future to, to just control, uh, the flow of people in and out of these spaces. So, uh, I, I get his perspective on that and I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. And with excitement, welcome back on the show for a second time. Nick Kokonis, Nick, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling mediocre, unstoppable. Right, I don't blame. It's been quite a year. Like (laughs) you know, it's like yeah, I know you're supposed to be all positive, but it's been quite a year, you know. So uh, we are more unstoppable than most. Nice. uh, It's been, but I'm I'm tired, man. That's all we can ask for. And as I think, if you're as long as you're still going right now, you're you're unstoppable. That's for sure. Uh, So in case you guys are not familiar with Nick Kokonis. Uh, he was episode 433. I highly recommend going back to that episode, getting caught up. And we're going to basically just pick up where we left off. But let me just give the listeners a little idea of who you are. After graduating with a degree in philosophy and a successful 10-year stint as an independent derivatives trader, Nick Kokonis uh, partnered with Chef Grant Atkins to open a linear restaurant in 2005. In the years to follow, Nick would go on to find next or co-find next uh, the Avery and Roysters. In addition, Kokonis is the founder and CEO of Talk, a cloud-based comprehensive booking system for restaurants, events, and pop-ups around the world. I think you guys were at uh, 45 or 15 countries and 45 cities when you last were on the show yeah, in 2017. It's, it's, 34 employees. Yeah, you, yeah. We're, paint that picture. Where are you now? We have um, over 5,500 clients in 28 wow. countries. Uh, we just added our 130th employee. Um, since COVID started, we've added 40 employees. And we could get yeah. into that, but there's a lot to dig out there. Well, congratulations um, you know, with your success on, with thanks, Talk thanks. and just everything. And I, did I miss anything with, with what you got going on with the Linear Restaurant Group? I know you guys... No, have- no. I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're always working on, on new things. Um, you know, uh, during COVID, we've, we've uh, done the Linear Group to go. Um, and so I never thought... <laughs> we would ever be talking about um, doing, you know, a thousand meals a night out of Alinea um, wow. as carry out. And uh, we, we've done that um, since mid-March. Um, and uh, it's been interesting. You know, it's like it forces you to do things that you'd never done before, never even thought about doing before. And, uh, you know, the mantra, the mantra should be just show up. 
I, am I allowed to swear on this show? No, but I love where you, I love that you already know or you are allowed to swear. I just um, want yeah, to I mean, point out that it, you're getting right into the success quarter of the mantra. I didn't have like, to see you up. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, show the fuck up, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> I mean, there's so many, there's, if you want to talk about being unstoppable, my, you know, my dad used to tell me like, like, you know, 99% of the people just won't do the work. So, um, you know, I think what's, what's always the case is that showing up, especially in the restaurant business, it's like showing up every day, grinding it out. It's not sexy most of the time. Um, showing up matters. And in, in 2020, it matters more than ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that easy and it's that hard right now, you know? Yeah. It's really hard to show up, you know, mm-hmm. showing up means putting people through things that are, are uncomfortable, um, you know, are a little bit scary at times, especially early, early going. Um, and you know, it's like, we, we literally closed for like three days, like total, you know? And then we went, okay, well, like, you know, not doing some, doing nothing is not an option. So what can we do? Well, we can do carry out. So even though Alinea is a Michelin three star, we started doing carry out, um, right away. Uh, met with some success with that, expanded it to our other restaurants. When we were allowed to open patios, um, we figured that out. We put up awnings while we weren't allowed to be open. We went, okay, well, it's going to be like rainy some days and we're going to need like really big awnings. So let's make the investment in that because otherwise we won't be able to open on the rainy days. Um, so all those kinds of decisions are are what we mean by showing up for us. And then uh, now it's going to get hard again. It's yeah. cold here in the north. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can't wait to, to start unpackaging a lot of what you guys, how you guys have responded to COVID-19 and what your plan for the future is. I'm really interested in that. Um, but I do want to kind of just catch up in general. I mean, it's been three years since we last got you on the show. Um, what has changed within the Alinea restaurant groups before COVID-19? Uh, well, I, we, you know, we, we kept, we kept our whole thing is a slow expansion and not necessarily a linear one. So we don't just build a restaurant because we go like, Oh, it's time to build another restaurant. Um, we wait till we have really good ideas, um, as to what we want to do. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the restaurant at all. So we spent, um, a lot of 2018, 19 working on the aviary book. And then we did the, the, uh, aviary summer cocktails book and the holiday cocktails book. And we did that all independently. We hired Alan and Sarah Hemberger. Uh, Alan was at uh, Pixar and his wife was at Industrial Light Magic. And we, we built the, the Aviary Cocktail Book from scratch, you know, 480 page, you know, eight pound book. Wow. No publisher, no anything. So that's as big of a lift almost as building a restaurant. Um, I can imagine. You know, it's, it's a huge investment of time, effort, money. Um, but then, you know, we figured out the whole supply chain and and how to how to sell through amazon how to sell through our own channels how to warehouse and ship everything and you know now that's as big as owning a restaurant in terms of revenue and all of that like it's a huge chunk of what we do um and then we also have all the ancillary branding from that you know um so uh that's been a huge huge part of it and then talk has really been you know 80 percent of my focus over since we last spoke um, yeah. And so. you know, one thing that I got from you from our first interview, um, that I was kind of kicking myself for not pulling back more layers on, we were talking about your role within the Alinea group. Um, you know, you had a, a history of being a, 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 
I always forget the dividends, dividends, derivatives, uh, trader. derivatives, derivatives. Thank trader. you very much. Derivative, yeah. Derivatives trader. Uh, so you have this unique perspective that not a lot of people have when they get into the world. You don't have any bad habits, really. You, you, you see, Oh, I do. No, I well, do. You, <laughs> but you, <laughs> I didn't, you didn't get any them. of the bad habits from the uh, restaurant industry. You had your own bad habits. Uh, from. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? So you got yeah. to see the industry with a clear perspective, a new perspective, and you kind of challenge a lot of the traditions within the industry, which is kind of what talk is, which, which is a lot of what Avery is right with just a, yeah, just Avery, a different just, approach. Yeah. I mean, we try to look think, at things with like a blank sheet of paper and then understand that like, a lot, most of the things you'll come to, someone's already sorted it out before, but occasionally you ask a very basic question and you don't find a good answer for it other than tradition or, or that's the way that's we've how we did done it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, whenever I hear that, that's always a red flag. Like, you know, why do you do it that way? Well, that's the way we've always done it. Okay. Well, I would like to understand the why of that, not how we're doing it, but why we're doing it. Yeah. So talk was, was really about that for my own restaurants. But then as we, as we grew, um, I came to understand that, you know, most restaurant owners concentrate on great food and great service. And that's it. <laughs> they, you know, you know, you know, atmosphere, service, all that. But everything that encompasses hospitality, they think, is just that. But where do most of us live right now? Well, we live on these yeah. things. And you have to meet the, the customers where they are. And then you have to know what they enjoy before they, before they get there. Um, yeah. If you rely on your server to upsell something like, you know, it's the special of the day is, is salmon. You know, it, it just doesn't feel right at this point in the arc of, of the hospitality industry. And so we built out all these other tools so that we can connect restaurant owners and restaurant managers directly with their customers digitally before they ever arrive. And whether that means that you charge a $5 deposit or prepayment for a special experience, or if it's an ordinary free reservation, but when you arrive, we're like, oh, it's Eric. He's dined here 17 times over the last three years, and his, his significant other enjoys tea afterwards. And so that just happens automatically, even if you've never met that server before. All of those little things are what really make for special experiences. And, and you know, that's really hospitality, right? Um, that's what talk really does. It's just that that's not what people think of it because we started out as ticketing. And then, you know, of course that was our hook at the get go, but now it's a huge comprehensive system where all of your customer notes, um, you know, we have 16 million customer accounts now, That's crazy. diner accounts, and yeah. we're adding, you know, three, 400,000 a month. And a, most of those people fill out a hospitality survey where they say like, this is what I'm allergic to. This is what I enjoy. This is my favorite cuisine. These are the cities I've traveled to. Yeah. So that I wanna, really makes it special. Yeah. I want to pull back. Believe me, I want to pull back the layers on talk. Uh, Cause I feel like there's so much unpackaged there, but really like what I want to focus on now that we didn't get a chance to get to in the first episode, which I think there's a ton of value here. What, what it, what it sounded like you brought to the the to the team was the back back office stuff is what we called it, but a lot of the branding and the marketing, the promotion, and I feel like you must have some great advice on how to do your own PR. How and that's another thing that came out of our conversation is that you were out there taking the time to do a lot of high touch stuff and to reach out to people that you know to to develop relationships. And I guess what I'm looking at is 
what kind of special advice can we get from somebody whose specialty is the back of back of house, like the office stuff, the, the branding, the promoting the, yeah, the I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I think a lot of times, again, like uh, so many chefs I know go like, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm just going to hire a PR firm. And it's as if the PR firm has some magical sauce, you know, and I think that's changing even from three years ago when we last spoke, because, you know, Instagram has made, made, you know, food so accessible visually and whatnot that of course everyone knows that you have to market through social media. But again, most of those, most of those restaurant owners and and whatnot don't really know how to do boosted posts and, and attribution or even look at the audience. Like, Here's an example. I could take, if, if Next was going to do a French meal, I can run a download from Talk of all of the customers at Next over the last couple of years and put them into MailChimp or an email you know, uh, service of some sort, download it in there, just email everyone and say, hey, here's our new menu. Well, for us, it's about 220,000 people that live in Chicago right now. It's pretty good, yeah. right? So you send out 220,000 emails, you're going to get a lot of bookings. Um, cost is almost nothing you know, like a quarter of a penny per email to maintain that or something like that. It's really tiny. Then I can upload that list of people into Instagram and Facebook. And I can say, okay, we're going to run this little ad, like a picture of the food or the menu or whatever the new next menu is. But don't show it to any of the people who already follow us. Show it only to the other people who like French restaurants in Chicago who are aged 25 to 45. And only do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because we're full on Thursday, Friday, Saturday anyway. So that is so easy to do. Like what I just described can be done nearly as quickly as I described it. The cost of it is almost nothing. And yet it's called like a like audience. So you build an audience that isn't your audience, but it might be, you know, there's five other great French restaurants in Chicago or whatever. It'll be their audience that sees it. Um, Doing that is not only like far more, uh, you know, uh, far more effective than hiring a PR firm and getting some articles in magazine or on TV or something like that. It's you get a feedback loop of attribution. So then when someone books, you go, Oh, we know that that type of person is the person who books and you get this positive feedback loop on your marketing. Now, do you need to hire an agency to do that? Well, if you do, it's not going to be as cost effective anymore. And I have to say, like, somebody in your organization should be able to do that. Yeah. Like, you know that there's some geeky, you know, computer nerd waiter that's like, yeah, that's really cool. I'll do that. Yeah. So you bring up a really... I, I want to just jump in real quick because uh, I literally just interviewed today uh, Chef Evan Hennessy, who got one of his first major gigs working with chef, chef Ackett's uh, where, where, where's the trio where, where he was before where yeah, you trio, discovered yeah. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this experience and what you guys I think do really well is letting your, your team weigh in and, and what Grant did really well when Evan was reflecting back at that time with, when he was at trio with Grant is that he, he let everybody weigh in. He let everybody have a voice. He let everybody offer feedback for the creative process in developing a dish. And I think it doesn't just stop with developing a dishes. It also goes into branding, marketing. What special skills do we have on our team that we're not tapping into because we're just hiring them for a job, right? And it feels like this, this 
this mantra of tapping into your team spills over into yeah, other it's, elements it's, of your business. It's kind of like a do it yourself. There are no experts mentality. Yeah. You know, like I, I just, every time, I mean, there are some people who are awesome at marketing and whatnot. And if you can hire that person and afford them and pay them great. But like so many restaurants I know, like don't really have a social media strategy other than like, the chef or owners post like, you know, Hey, here's our new chicken dish or whatever, but they're not going that next level of like, okay, how do we promote that to people who aren't the 10,000 people that follow us or whatever? So, or how do we get that 10,000 people to become 50,000 people? So to me, that's almost just like a fun gamification, I guess, of the business. Um, but the the positives are of that are that like when we did shift Alinea from dining in to carry out in the very earliest stages of COVID, we had a huge mailing list in Chicago, email list that we had cultivated over the course of you know a dozen years that we could say, hey, like times are rough and all that, but here's the safety precautions we're taking. Here's how we're treating our staff. Here's our plan to get back into business. And by the way, and here's the food that we're going to be offering for pickup where you can just go there to a text us and, uh, you know, pop the trunk and we're, you don't even need to see us. You know, you know, you, you stay in your hermetically yeah. sealed car. Um, and you know, the response to that was instant. Um, but without that, that those years of engagement with our customers, um, and having that direct, knowledge of who they were and their email address, yeah. you know, not just a cell phone number, not just a random name. Um, having that email address, which is why talk was always built around email addresses and not just a cell phone number like Resi is or open table is um, really was a huge advantage because we, we replaced, you know, 80% of our revenue within two weeks. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the best way to look at this, what Nick is describing is look, Facebook's going to come and go. Instagram's going to come and go. Twitter is going to come and go. But what generally, even phone numbers change, but what generally doesn't change is someone's email. And that's something that, like, that, like your email, your list is something that you own that's not going away regardless. And, yeah, and people, even if it, yeah. even if 5% of it goes away, you still, you're adding to it all the time. Yeah. You know? I don't think people realize the significance of having a list and people think about like building their brick and mortar first, then building the list. Screw that, man. Start collecting emails today. Start sharing your story today. Anybody, no matter where you are on your journey, you can start collecting relationships and emails. And we I had that- tens of thousands of people just on a form. We made a little video. Um, I, I literally used GarageBand to, to do the music for it for the opening of next and we collected tens of thousands of people saying hey yeah let me know when when this opens always about that and and to me that that's it's just so basic like you have to know your customers yeah um and it used to be that restaurants relied on that where there'd be like the great you know host or mater d or whatever who would know everybody you know but it's just that's not very realistic these days you know why is that less realistic these days I mean, look, we're in a giant city, you know, here, so here's a myth that, that I found to be just unbelievable actually. And that is everyone says like your regulars are your most important aspect of business. Like I have heard on millions of podcasts, it's all about our regulars. It's all about our regulars, but there's a recency bias to that. Like if you're a human 
and I see you come in 10 times, I'm going to go, wow, that guy's a regular. He's awesome and important. We're going to make sure we take great care of him. That's still going to happen no matter what, right? Of course, we're going to do that. But if you look at restaurants over like a $25 check average in major cities, their, their percentage of, of regulars, meaning someone who dines twice in the same year at the restaurant, is usually 8 to 12% of their customers. That's it. 90% of your customers will dine there once a year. And so wow. you'll remember that, that 10%, but 90% are new. And yes, you want to turn them into people who come back more frequently. But restaurants now are like a vast entertainment network, right? It's huge. It's one of the only forms of entertainment where you go in person. Like you can watch movies in your basement, right? You can watch them on this computer. Yeah. Um, listen to music. You know, you don't have to go see live shows. Um, if you go to a restaurant, like people, people go like, you know, you might have that one restaurant that you go like, yep, every time I want a burger, I'm going to go to that place because it's my regular haunt. Bars run like 30% regulars. It's like three times, but like a restaurant like Royster, we run like 14% regulars. We track that, which means you're constantly having to get in front of a new audience. I think it's because people want to try different things all the time. Yeah. Well, we didn't get a lot of talk about Roysters. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, Alinea, the original folk, like uh, idea behind Alinea. We talked a lot about Next, how Grant just wanted to be able to change things and get some perspective into try new things, which is why you guys, was it every quarter you changed? Yeah. Or was it, yeah, yeah every, every, every four months, three times a year. Avery has the backstory of you were looking at why, why, the bar, why does everything bottleneck at the bartender? Why not take the, the, the kitchen avant-garde like approach of everybody has their responsibility and we bring it together at the pass. What's the story behind Roysters? What, what was the unique opportunity that you guys saw there that were you like, you know, this is, or go for it. It started with the idea where um, we wanted to do two things. One, we wanted to be really elemental cooking, kind of the opposite of Alinea, because I think a lot of people think Alinea is science and, and progressive techniques and whatnot. But there was a lot of times where some of the best courses at Alinea were just cooked over a small hibachi fire, you know, with bichotan, you know, coals yeah. from, from Japan. Um, and then part of it was we wanted to have a place which was casual, convivial, where the kitchen was wide open to the whole place, where like the restaurant's the kitchen, the kitchen's the restaurant. Like everyone loves to see the kitchen, tour the kitchen, all that. We're like, let's just make the whole kitchen a restaurant. So at first we thought about literally making the stations in different sections of the restaurant. Like I had a drawing I did of like, you know, the meat stations over in that corner and the, and then we went like, yeah, we can't actually run the rest. Like how are you going to do pickups? It's a disaster. So we just made this giant, beautiful central kitchen with a big open hearth, you know, um, big live fire. And um, it was super cool. Like it came out, it came out great. And a lot of it was around like, well, what kind of cooking, what do we want to eat on a Tuesday night? Like, you're not going to go to Alinea all the time. You're not going to go to Next all the time. Where's the place that we could go where we'd go like, yeah, I want to get that fried chicken all the time. So it was about taking very simple, simple foods and just making the best version of that you've ever had. Got you. Uh, has anything else in the past three years, I mean, it was the last time we had you on the show, anything that has been significant, uh, any aha moments, any new perspectives that have come up that, that are worth unpackaging before we start to really talk about the progress and evolution of talk. Yeah. I mean, you know, we opened in New York, we opened an aviary in, in New York and then we closed the aviary in New York um, after about three years um, spent about two years 
planning, uh, doing construction and whatnot. But it was the first time that we worked with, you know, a group that wasn't us. Yeah, outside right. of Chicago, basically, right? Well, I, no, it's not just no. that it was outside Chicago. It was, it was, we were inside of a hotel. Okay. And so the, the, we had to collaborate with the hotel management and employees, and technically the employees were employees of the hotel. Okay. And so that was the first time where we had to sort of go like, okay, here's our culture. And now let's, let's impose that culture or engender that in culture, that culture to this group of people that, you know, in a place that already existed, we're going to redo the whole interior and whatnot. And it was, you know, 6,000 square feet, 35 floors above Central Park. Well, amazing views, huge build out, all of that. And really like an iconic piece of real estate. That's why I wanted to do it. Like, you know, you go up there and you look out at Central Park and you go, wow. And what I realized is like, you can't force people to, 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 to you know, embrace your culture and standards yeah it's just it's just like that simple like you know on opening day i was like arguing with employees about like doing something the right way in a way that i never had to ever at our own places so this so, was the, the this was your employees at in new york city at avery in new york not the well, adjacent so we, building or the adjacent surrounding well, team so the, it was within a hotel there gotcha. i'm avoiding the name but you could easily look it up Okay. Um, and uh, it was within, well, I'll just say it because people are going, it was within the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, beautiful okay. hotel, 35th floor. We took over their lobby lounge and then they had a small bar. And then we turned that into the office. It's a huge construction project. I mean, just like you're talking about carrying up t- literally tons, hand carried up tons of, of cement to level the floor properly and Jeez. all that. And, you know, it was just like all of a sudden you were trying to train employees who were used to working in a hotel lobby bar to have a standard that's, you know, Michelin starred standard for, you know, for cocktails. And yes, we took our own employees, a whole bunch of our own employees and made them employees there. And so they had that standard, Yeah. but they were trying to take employees who'd been there for 10 years, Yeah. develop lots of bad habits and go, no, no, this matters. And certainly some of the employees did awesome. Like it's, I'm not like, it's like a, not a blanket thing. Some of them really, really did awesome. But those employees kind of tended to go like, hey, you know what? You need anyone in Chicago? Like, we might want to go there. So um, it was a great learning lesson for me that you can't just, you have to own it. I don't know how else to say it. No, you have I hear to have you. ownership. Like, I, 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 you, you pull in a great example that Chris Schultz shared with us from Mod Pizza and Starbucks. He, what he does is he helps these organizations scale. And he says, you have to have your, your culture carriers. So you can't scale. You can't go without injecting a little bit of yourself into the, like somebody that you know has it, that they get it. They're your culture carrier. They're the ones that they're your raw. So we rah. had those. We yeah. had those. And it sounds like you, that's um, what I'm saying. You did that. You had the foresight to that, do that. And it still didn't really work so these because other employees were they employed by the hotel the hotel and that did you everyone was them? employed by the hotel oh, okay yeah so, so everyone the people that we brought over legally had to be employed by the hotel oh so, okay certainly and so it's a union environment there like gotcha. there's just a lot of rules and whatnot so um so we had you know a bunch of our own employees managers chefs all that go there but even something as simple as like moving a station like like literally taking a table in the kitchen moving at 10 feet, the dishwasher's like, you can't, you can't put that there. 
And it's like, why not? Well, we negotiated for that table to be over there. You're like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. And like the answer is no, they're not kidding you. Like, or like I literally had, um, on one of the first days we had all these antique glasses that we bought from all over the country for the office. So they're all unique and beautiful and they had to be hand washed. And so one of the porters there is washing dishes and I look in the breakage tub and like, there's like on day three, there's like 30 broken antique glasses in there. And when I said to him, I was like, why are some of these broken? He goes, we don't do hand washing. So every time one of those came in, he just cracked it and threw oh, it in there. Oh my goodness, I man. went, I went crazy. <laughs> I can know? imagine. I mean, right. I mean, like, like if someone did that in Chicago, that's instantaneously, I would fire that person with grounds, yeah. of course. Like you can't just do that on purpose. Right. And so I basically like said like up and out of here, dude. And I washed the dishes like, you know, for like four hours till it closed, till close. And then I went to the management of the hotel and they're like, yeah, that guy's been here for 12 years. Like we can't just fire him. I was like, like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Like that's bananas. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I could like, there's 50 stories like that where, you know, it's just, you, you, you can't manage, uh, in the same way as when you have ownership. Like, yeah. So I mean, I have, yeah, go ahead. The, one, the thing I learned is that you need, you need to have skin in the game. You need yeah. to have ownership. You need to, you need to, you know, when our employees here in Chicago know that we are the owners, both good and bad, like if they have a complaint, they know who to go to. Um, if they have, if things are going well, they know, who, who to who, who to credit with that and to be thankful about it it's not so clear when you do a deal like that and it's far away and all that right well it comes up a lot on the show this idea of of uh hire slow fire fast and you and it all it takes is one person to infiltrate to get in that's going to pull your your culture in a different direction. And once they're in, it sounds like in this, in, in a, um, the setting that you were at this hotel setting, uh, this union setting, I mean, it's not as easy as just eliminating the person who's the problem. Cause it can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the pros and cons, the, the growing and scaling, I guess getting bigger and bigger, gets harder. Yeah, and, harder. and yeah. I came to realize, and this was, you know, we closed during COVID, but we didn't close because of COVID. We actually, in January, I, you know, we were going to submit our budget for the year and I, I called them up and just said like, you know, I think we're done here, you know? And they were like, they're kind of shocked. And I was like, it's not upholding the standard. It's not worth the extra money. And ultimately it's not going to end well. So it's better to end it while it's still going well. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so I, like one of the things I learned as a trader is like, you know, when you, you could have a position which is making money, but as soon as you realize that the downside is greater than the upside, just get rid of it you cut the cord real fast. Yeah. And, um, so we did. And, uh, you know, it, it was interesting that we had already planned to close at the end of March and then COVID happened. So it ended up closing a few weeks earlier. And then they announced in a bizarre way, like, Oh yeah, we're closed because of COVID. And it's like, no, actually Uh, we planned on closing (laughs) in January. Like that was going to happen anyway. So, um, so I've learned that, you know, it's like, that's the first time we've had something that we opened and then closed. And uh, that's fine. Yeah, that's but there's a great thing. lesson in that. And thank you yeah. for getting to the core of that lesson. That's what I was getting after. That's what I was hoping to pull out, some, some nuggets like that. And uh, I think we're at a good spot right now to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to kind of start to unpackage uh, the evolution of talk. 
Yes, it's true. Kick and scream all you want, but more and more guests want to text instead of speaking over the phone. Good thing there's Podium. Even if you're old-fashioned like me, this is good news. Frankly, accepting orders via text is more effective, efficient, and accurate. You can even accept payments after hours. How convenient is that? Not to mention it's safer. No more accepting credit card numbers over the phone. Instead, do it the safe way with Podium Payments. By the way, Podium Payments is fully integratable with Apple Pay. Uh, What else is there? Do you like getting reviews? Who doesn't? With Podium Pay, send a review invite at the time it's most likely to be clicked right after an order is completed. They even throw in 250 review invites as part of Podium's free products. Now, you might be asking yourself, what about websites? Everybody wants to order online. Podium's got you covered. Take orders from your website no matter what tools you use via Podium Web Chat. What are you waiting for? Set up a business texting line right now. No cost, no contract, no reason not to get started. Head to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash podium and get Podium's starter version free. That's restaurantunstoppable.com slash podium. We're back. And um, the last time I had you on the show, um, you, you, you said something. And another thing that I really just want to like dig into a little bit further is this idea that you, you and talk had this really unique opportunity. Um, you have something, a, a window into the restaurant industry that no one else has is the words you use because you get to work close with these leaders in the industry, like the Dominique, Dominique Krins, the, um, Tom, Thomas Keller, I think was the name you mentioned, like all these yep. incredible restaurateurs, you get to peer into their operations and then to tailor fit uh, this resources tool talk to, but you're using feedback from them. So you got this, this, you get to peer into this industry was a point you were trying to make. Do you want to, can you pick up your train of thought from there? I mean, it's probably gonna be hard. It's been three years. Yeah, but, uh, no, you know I mean, that's I mean, it's not that hard because yeah. it's, it's, we do it every day. Um, you know, when, when you last talked to me, we had 34 employees. We've added a hundred since then. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of what those folks do, um, we have an entire account management team that talks to restaurants every day. Um, so we get, you know, it's, it's incredible to, if, you know, if you looked at the back side of talk, like the part that consumer sees, the diner sees is a tiny little part, you know, of talk. And there's this huge infrastructure below it for the, for the restaurant owner, everything from the service application to inventory control to, time slot management to pricing controls, all these things. Um, and so as we built all that stuff out, some of it was stuff that nobody asked for because they were unique novel ideas. But a lot of things were like, hey, you know, we just need like to be able to read the screen from eight feet away. Like it's working great. But when I'm over there talking to a customer, I need to be able to glance all the way back at it. So can you make those, those buttons bigger and, and uglier? You know, so I could see what they, they're like really elegant now, but we need them big and ugly so we can just see them from far. So all of that kind of feedback, um, comes into us and we take it very seriously. And that's what allowed us to, to pivot very quickly. Um, you know, for COVID, um, you know, we had on March 7th, I recognized that like reservations were going to go to zero in America. Um, by March 15th, we had a product called talk to go that utilized all those same tools, you know, knowing your diner, being able to download to your email list, knowing what your preferences are and all that. And then instead of using a third party delivery app that charges 20 to 30%, we're like 3% flat, 
you get to control your inventory by the way a kitchen works, which is 15 minute increments, you know? And so it's like, if you're just on, you know, DoorDash and, you know, you get 300 burger orders, it sounds like a great thing. But if they all come in at seven o'clock, it don't work. Yeah. Yeah. Make 300 burgers. It's for seven o'clock pickup. That's a big group. So, yeah. So you have to, <laughs> you have to, you know, pace that out. And weirdly, the other applications don't do that because they're all supplemental to dining. Now, all of a sudden we went, well, look, people aren't going to have dining rooms and these mid-tier restaurants, mid-tier to upper tier restaurants in terms of price point are going to have to do an elevated kind of carry out. And they're going to need to, to treat carry out just the way they treat how many diners come in at any given 15 minute window. So we were able to build all that out because we took all the feedback over the years, because we built the tools as a cloud-based system instead of an iOS-based system. You know, it doesn't, it, you can use an iPad certainly, but you're using a website. So um, it's been really, it, I've said this before, but it's taken the work that we did, which was interesting and helpful to the industry and innovative and disruptive and made it important. Yeah. Because yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, because like there's a whole lot of restaurants that were going, you know, completely out of business in, in April, May, June that went on talk to go and went, Oh, people do want to buy our food still. And we're not getting charged 20 or 30%. So we went, you know, I can show you a chart or share it with you for You can put on your website where you can see the, the reservations plummet in March from, you know, millions per month on talk to almost zero Jeez. and then scale back up. And last month we did over 4 million uh, diners which was double what we did pre-COVID just in a single month. Wow. So you know, we're, on, we're on the scale to do, you know, something between 80 and 180 million and 100 million diners and an annualized rate going forward right now. And, you know, 4,000 new restaurants on talk since COVID started. That's incredible. And we get emails every day saying we'd be out of business if this, if you didn't start this. Dude, I, I mean, talk has been coming up organically a lot on the show. As of recently, I've had a lot of your clients on the show, your customers on the show, and everybody has amazing things to say. And I really do think one of the reasons why I wanted to, I was pushing to get you back on the show so soon is because I am looking into the future. I think that with the, with the winter on the horizon, um, the outdoor solution isn't going to be a solution for much longer. And I feel like that we're going to have to find some sort of middle ground. I see reservation systems being a, almost like a, a regulatory situation you have to take reservations exactly because you got to control the amount of people that are in your given space yeah um and, and then and I, so i've been saying that for years even before covid though because even if you're a bar knowing who your customers are is better i'm not saying to not take walk-ins i'm saying give people the option to make a reservation because some people just want the certainty of hey i don't want to wait in line for two hours yeah. Um, that's simple. Yeah. So I, I guess at what point the, the thought I was having, the other variable too, is that you're selling the tickets to an event. It's not, is it, can you create a restaurant that's technically not a restaurant, but a private event operation that seats only like, you know, like these pre, these prefab meals. Um, yeah. I mean like, like, so talk all in one spot on the back end for restaurants, you can create ordinary free reservations. You can do deposits to cut down on no-shows. So during busy times, you can take a 5 or $10 deposit. It's fully applied to the check, but 
it cuts the no-show rates under 3%. Or you can do a fully prepaid experience. And then you can apply that to either carry out, dine-in, patio, or even like a special given table, like a chef's table or whatnot. And then you can apply all that to private dining. And then you can create events, like as if you had Eventbrite. But it's all in one place. Um, and even your walk-ins, when people walk in and you seat them, like, you know, we tell people, like, get their name. It will automatically, like, link to their Facebook and Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts. And even, you know, if, if you show up at, at the front door to one of my places and you say, hey, it's Eric Cacciatore, I'd like a table for two. As soon as someone types it in, they're going to go like, oh, like, your picture pops up. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's the same guy. And the reason for so that, that is because you're using the email to, to tie together those platforms. Yeah, but even without the email, I can just type your name in and it's going to show me all the Eric Cacciatore's. There's only one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were Eric Smith, yeah. there would be like 50 of them. And, but you'd see like your, your Instagram like, you know, avatar or whatever. That's awesome. And, or all of them. And we could go, oh, yeah, it's that guy. And if yeah. we don't have that, it's like, yeah, can you give me your email just so I, I can keep track of your dining preferences? Yeah. And now what's happened because of COVID is that a lot of a lot of cities have said like, well, even New York, they're opening 25% indoor dining, but you they have to, they're required to get the names of every single one of the diners for contact okay. tracing yeah. in case there's a breakout. Now everyone's like, oh yeah, we're building that. We'll have it ready for you soon. It's like, no, no, no. That's a core thing that we built eight years ago. That you're like, just that's what I've been preaching. I'm like, yeah. I've been preaching forever. Like you should know who's in your restaurant Yeah, for, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to break into the data. Cause I mean, I made a note that talked one, what, what you guys really do is you grab this data, you grab this information to, to help you better understand your customer. Um, but I, I'm curious around these, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from how I understand it, private events, you can do whatever you want. If it's a private event, there's no right. They can't regulate what happens within a private event. Uh, is that no it's different all over the country is it okay so like in chicago like you can't do a private event for more than 50 people they'll yes, shut it down th- there is that cap of 50 people spread out no but, but even then it's it's different everywhere in many fixed menu operations you usually only seat up to like 12 or 15 at a time anyway right like it's usually no, a high no, touch no no. no no there's tons of places that that can be prefixed but have 200 seats okay um i just see that there's a huge opportunity i feel like w- part of the industry is going to come back and I feel like it's going to be the Michelin three-star operations because there's going to be people that want to pay for that experience that will pay the price. Um, to be super safe and to be yeah. fewer people. I feel like that, that, that design, that so we, model of high touch, we, low people, high dollar. Yeah. Money. I mean, right. It's like, if you look across our four places, like Royster and aviary are built to do lower price points and 300 people on a Saturday night you know, 400 people some Saturday yeah. nights, right? Um, those places are struggling because even though we have 80, 90 patio seats and they're spread out and we've got a few tables inside, it's meant to be like they depend trivial on and tight and they depend yeah. on volume. And so even though it's like we're full, you know, and busy right now for what we have, there's no way Royster can make money right now. It's just not possible given the way that we designed the business plan. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Alinea, we rented out um, a rooftop across from next to the aviary and we created Alinea in residence. And now we only do five days a week. Normally we do seven days a week at Alinea proper. Um, so we do five days a week, about 90 people a night, 90 to a hundred a night, but at the same check average as Alinea, 
at Alinea proper, we only did 125 people a night. So, and then you add in the Alinea to go stuff and we're kind of almost close to the same revenue per night that we used to have. We just start, you know, eight fewer nights a month. So Alinea can, can do a little bit better than break even. And it has um, throughout COVID. In fact, uh, April and May, we had record revenue months just on carryout alone because we were doing some nights, 1,250 carryouts. Yeah, that's actually something that I, I was chomping at the bear or just kind of really when you when you brought that up, a Michelin star operation. And it's been really hard on these fine dining operations to make that pivot to takeout because the yeah, food just doesn't transfer well. How did no, you guys they, do it? By going like, obviously the food doesn't transfer well, so we can't do that food. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we did, you know, Coco Vaughn and we, you know, and Cassoulet and, and we made like a five course meal that you can cook at home with like, like a dozen little things for our 15th anniversary. And people got really into it. One of my favorite videos is, um, oh my God, what's it called? I forgot these guys, uh, the, something with cheese anyway, I'll think of it in a second, but they have this like, you know, sort of like uh, a YouTube channel um, where they, uh, they go around Chicago eating mostly you know, fast food and stuff like that. And, and, and it's very in your face, you know, and they ordered a linea to go, they're like, you know, $50 carry out per person. Plus like we got wine, they got a bottle of Malort. They got rippingly high beforehand. And they're like, I, you know, we're going to do this. And this is how rich people eat. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and by the second course, they were like, this is unbelievably delicious. Yeah. So like, all we did was we, we went like, well, what can we do? What, what extent can we take? I'll give you an example. Uh, in two or three days, we we're going to launch um, an Alinea group to go website, which is going to aggregate everything we're doing each, at each place. But the first event we're doing is going to be Thanksgiving. So we secured um, about 2,500 uh, heirloom turkeys from a farm in Southern Minnesota. And we are bringing them into Chicago, uh, you know, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And we're going to do the rub, the sides, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, like, you know, everything that you'd expect, you know, apple pies, pumpkin pies, all that. And we're going to try to sell 2,500 meals, you know, family meals for 10 people. Now, if you do the math on that, it's probably going to add up to about $500 times 2,000. And all of a sudden you go like, that's a pretty good month Yeah, yeah. all in one day. Now that started in July. I went, we need to start thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. So for Christmas, we're going to have geese. I was going to say Christmas goose, but we're going to have lots of them. <laughs> and then, um, we're, and then we're working on an election night thing too, where you get both champagne and whiskey. So oh. the guy that you, <laughs> you can't lose, it's yeah. called, you can't lose election night dinner and it's going to be all Americana food. And you're going to get a bottle of champagne and a bottle of whiskey. So when, if, if and when you get results, you can either pop the champagne or drink the whiskey, depending on which way you lean and who wins. Um, all of that stuff is how we did it. Like you have to think, well, what are the constraints we have? And then you just have to be unstoppable. Like, you yeah. know, it's like, so it's just a math problem. You know, it's like if we're doing $40 food out of Alinea per person, we need to do a thousand a night to keep everyone employed. Awesome. So I, I I think we need to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and look at the time and we'll come we we'll come back. I really want to unpackage uh, the future of talk, what that looks like. Um, 
like I said, recommended so many times on the show. I feel like I owe it to you guys to, to kind of paint that picture of the future of the operation. And also, we, I want to kind of unpackage a little bit more the, that you said what talk really is, is a way to get this information, a way to, to develop stronger relations with your employee or your guest. So I want to get into yeah. that too. So we'll be right back. Head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time, it when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. And again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars. When you become a customer, we are back and really kind of paint the picture of the future of the industry in how talk is evolving to, uh, to best suit the future and what the future looks like. Well, I, so here's, I, of course I don't, I don't really know. Right. No one knows. You, know, you have a prediction, um, but, your guess. <laughs> but, but here's like when you shop at like a, a supermarket now and you go to check out, you check out with your phone. At least I do. Like a lot of people do. Most people do. Um, there is no reason why contactless payment shouldn't exist. Like if you imagine the dance of waving someone down, can I have the check please? They bring a check, they put it in a little binder thing. You look at it, you drop your credit card in or three credit cards in that person has to come back, take it to a system, swipe it, get another printed thing bring it back to you. And then you take a pen, calculate <laughs> out the tip, which by the way, they can enter incorrectly. Which, which portion of the, the, the check belongs to you and which portion belongs to your, your friend. Right. All of that stuff. Why in God's <laughs> name in 2020, is that still going on? And the answer is actually really simple. And it's that the POS, the POS systems make their money on processing the payments. And if, all of a sudden Apple does the POS system does not. So you got your micros and your Aloha and all of those kind of places, you know, things have been around forever and POS in the industry stands for piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's the, you know, right. Everyone knows that most of those systems aren't terribly adaptive or good, but they want to own that payment flow, right? They want to own that payment flow. So, that's why it hasn't been adopted. And so we're like, fuck that. Like, like we built out like contactless payment and ordering during COVID because we're like, Hey, now's an opportunity to force it on the industry. The open table claimed that they did a test like five years ago where they gave it out to like 20 restaurants. It never integrated with the POS system. So it didn't close out the check. And then they said, well, see, no one wants it. Because the status quo was in their interest. Yeah. So like if you said to them, like, hey, we want contactless payment. They say, no, no, no. Here's the study we did. 
We put it in 20 restaurants in San Francisco, the most tech forward city in the world, and it didn't work. Well, it's like, no, you set it up for failure on purpose. So for sure, that's going to happen. So what I'm curious about is where, how are you actually collecting the payment? If, if, um, you know, if it, it's, if it's not an in-house processor, like is, are you outsourcing? Like what, what is that behind the scenes look like? At at the end of the day, like when you book on talk and you prepay for anything like uh, to go, like you're doing talk to go, you're going to order up a, you know, a pizza or, or whatever it may be, or dinner for millennia. You, your credit card's on file, just like it is if you're taking an Uber or Amazon one click or whatnot. And it's, it is vaulted, not even with talk, it's vaulted with the credit card companies um, and the processing companies. So um, once it's in there, you can just hit a button and your, you know, your payment's good. Once you identify yourself in some way, you know, credit profile or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, your, your, your visual or whatever on the phone. Um, so all we do is that when it comes time to, to leave and you say that you want the check or you could digitally say you want the check or you wait for someone down, they just hit a button on talk and it's like on your phone, it says, click this link to pay securely. And it just takes you into that same checkout flow as you would have done if you were at home. So who's and all process- your stuff's on there. So talk doesn't own the, isn't making the money, your money on talk, the talk, talk. Yeah, no talk processes as well. Okay. Um, and, but we'll close out through the POS system. So the POS systems have kind of realized like, Oh, like during COVID this, we have to let this happen. Yeah. I guess what I don't understand is whether or not it's being printed on a piece of paper or whether it it's a digital process, it's but digital. The, the, the company's still getting the transaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the transaction still happens and all that, but like you just skip that whole, that like, you know, uh, Tim Cook said, you know, that, until he can pay using Apple pay, walking out of every restaurant in America, Apple pay is not finished. Yeah. You know, it's 5% of GDP is, is dining. Right. And yet most places you cannot pay with your phone. Okay. Um, that's going to change for sure. And once that changes, then we know even more about what you enjoy. Um, one of the things that we're working on is a thing called talk time, which is a digital concierge um, system. So talk time encompasses three things. It's got a wish list instead of a wait list. Okay. So wait lists suck. You know, you get, you put your name on the, the wait list at Alinea and you don't know if you're first or 500th. Um, and all the time people are on the wait list, they call, you know, where am I? Do you think I'll get in? Wait lists are terrible. Like who <laughs> wants to wait anywhere? Right. Yeah. So a wish list though is like, let's say, let's say Alinea is only booking till October right now, end of October, your anniversary is in November. Talk knows this because you went on your anniversary last year somewhere. So we say, Hey Eric, don't mess up your anniversary. It's coming up in November. We know you've had your eye on some of these cool restaurants, pick one and we'll put you on the wish list. And then we, on the back end of talk, we let the restaurant know, Hey, before you turn on your November reservations, there are these 56 people who want tables for your wish list, if you say yes, you can hit this button and you'll send out an email to all the people on the wish list. What that does for the restaurant is it lets them know their elasticity of demand. So okay. all of a sudden, before you turn on bookings, like, you know, if you are running a restaurant in New York City off of a telephone, how do you know what your demand is in November? Past demands, look at trends, That's I it. guess. You have yeah. no idea. Yeah, yeah, you really don't know. In this case, all of a sudden you go like, well, look, a quarter of our tables are already filled before we even turn on our booking system. 
And for the consumer, we can give you little nudges and say, hey, there's a cool pop-up coming in November or your anniversary is coming up or your wife's birthday, whatever it may be. Um, so that's wish list. Then there's instant book. Well, before we go to instant book, I'm curious with, 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 with the wish list, um, do I need to, is that an upcharge for the restaurant tour if they want access to that list? No. Okay. No, it's built into talk for the restaurant. Gotcha. The digital concierge service for called talk time is going to have an annual charge. We gotcha. haven't settled on the exact amount yet, but it'll be about a hundred bucks a year. Gotcha. Um, and then um, you'll get the wish list. You'll get instant book, which is right now everything filters down like any booking system. You go like, well, I want for restaurants, you go, I want Italian food Friday night. And it'll go like, here's a list of Italian restaurants, you know? But sometimes you just want to go like, I want to go out to dinner now. And don't tell me all the restaurants because then I have to go to each one of them and go like, do they have a table at seven o'clock? Do they have, just show me what the hell has a table at seven o'clock. So we built an interface that's like, you want to go out tonight, four people, you can swipe right, like Tinder. It just shows you what's available right now, like awesome. or an hour from now. And when you swipe up, it's booked, instant nice. book. And so I call it Tinder for your taste buds. It's, it's basically that same, same motion, like left, right, up, down. Very simple. So I, what you're doing is looking at consumer behavior and then the and your Netflix in, recommendation engine for restaurants. And you I just kind of, believe no one's yeah, you're just, you're just paralleling the, the behaviors that are already there and going with the, you know, going with the flow instead of trying to create a whole new yeah. series of habits. And also like, you know, look, when you go on one of the cool things about Netflix or, or Spotify, the thing I like about Spotify the best is, is yeah, of course it's the access to, you know, every song I've ever heard in my life. But the other cool thing is that like you can learn about new music so easily. You can create lists. Like you can say like, well, here's all the new music I like and you can share that with me. So we're allowing diners to go like, well, here's my list of the top 15 restaurants in New York city. And I can share that with my friends. Someone says like, I get this a lot. Hey Nick, I'm going to Minneapolis. Where should I eat? And so I literally have those built. So we started building out these dining guides. And what we realize is that we can predict where based on where you've dined in Chicago and what you've enjoyed and what you've, what you've loved. Hey, I'm going to San Francisco. Show me some cool stuff. Yeah. And so that recommendation engine is going to be called talk time. I like that a lot. Um, It reminds me a lot of what's out. Have you heard of ate it app that's out there? They're they're starting in New York city. I need to introduce you guys. I think that, There might be some chemistry there. Um, the only other thing I want to make sure we unpackage is to talk about this this idea of what really talk is is, is developing a, a way for you to have a better relationship with your guests uh, through the, the information that you're collecting. Have you gotten? Did you get all that out? Because I feel like I, I cut you short earlier. Yeah. Know? No. I mean, look. At, at the end of the day, um, most booking systems in any industry want to own that relationship because that's how they monetize things, right? Mm-hmm. That's how they make money. So for years and years and years, Open Table would say, we are, the, we are the demand generation. It's not about you and your food and your restaurant. It can be great, but we, will, we have this network of people that are looking to dine. And if you're not on here, people aren't going to learn about you. And then they put out a report at the end of every month saying, you know, 84% of the people came through Open Table. And I'm like, well, of course, because that's your only, di- that's it's your so, digital it's the only place system. you're marketing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's your, the only yeah, place. That's your yeah, market. That's, that's your front door. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's your digital front door. Um, what we also do is we say, well, here are your diners. They're not our diners. They're not Tox diners. They're your diners. Now, of course we have that marketplace. And of course we have explore 
And we're going to show you all the data of where people came from. And at the end of the day, most people start the restaurant search on Google now or Google Maps, you know? Yeah. So we integrate with Google and Google Maps, but we give the attribution to Google and Google Maps, not to, or to Yahoo or to Facebook or Instagram or whoever it may be. Um, And, you know, more and more, like, you know, some percentage of the diners start at talk because we have this network, but we don't charge for that network, you know? Um, And so that's the critical difference. Like we're not charging per diner per cover. And because of that, we have no incentive. Like if Alinea sold out, Open Table would simply sell it to the restaurant down the street. They wouldn't say like, you know, add your name to the Alinea wait list or like, or their wish you know, list for a future or whatever. Or, or anything yeah. like that. Or, or they wouldn't even let us know who it is. They would just say, oh, like Alinea is totally booked tonight. There's nothing within two hours of your reservation. Try this other restaurant instead. Well, gotcha. I, I want to know who that person is. I want to know that they came there. And, you know, our wait list, we get 100,000 people a year off of our wait list that we email back and we say, Hey, we're sorry we couldn't serve you this month. Here's what else we've got going on. Yeah. I love Great it. Great way to keep your place full. I love it. Um, anything we have not touched on up to this point. Millions of things. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Man. <laughs> you can't cover it all in an hour. I can't believe how much time flew by talking to you today. Uh, just thank you so much, my friend, for, for coming on, uh, for catching us up. Um, how can we connect? Uh, I know you're probably not giving your personal cell phone now, but if we want to learn more about talk, if we want it's to... Very, it's, uh, so it's very easy. Um, you can go to exploretalk.com slash join. If you're a restaurant, you'll see tons of information there. You can email me personally at nick at talkhq.com, talkheadquarters.com, talkhq.com, T-O-C-K-H-Q.com. And that's my actual personal email there. Um, and I'm happy always to, uh, to hear from restaurant owners and, and workers and whatnot. Beautiful. And uh, Instagram and Twitter. So Nick, thank you uh, so much, man. I'll be, I'll be sure to link to uh, those ways to contact you in the show notes. Just head, actually, I'm not sure what episode number this will be. Make sure you guys stick around to the closing thoughts. I'll let you know what episode number this is. So you can find the links there and uh, how to find talk to go, which sounds like what your newest project that you guys are really excited about as far as, um, evolving the platform for the, the new normal. I hate you saying that. Lot, yeah. It's, it's all, it's all built into <laughs> one thing. So, yeah. uh, just go to explore and you can see all the restaurants on top. Beautiful. Again, Nick, uh, actually, before I let you go, this is something I do with all my guests. Who's one person you respect and admire and believe and make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today. Oh my gosh. That's such a tricky question. Yeah. There's so many. I feel like you should talk to Gavin Kaysen. If you haven't, who's at Spoon and Stable. He at Spoon and Stable. He's just, he's a you know great chef, but he's really smart about his restaurants. He's been, where's he located? He's in Minneapolis. Okay. And uh, he worked for Danielle Balud for years. Great guy. Really, really smart operator. Really great things. And, you know, he went back to Minneapolis from New York City instead of trying to open up like, you know, the world beater in, in New York City. And he was like a very, very high level Boku store chef on that. He went back to his hometown and built like the best casual, awesome place there. Um, had a couple more. One of them closed because of COVID permanently. Yeah. But um He's just a great guy, very insightful. And, and one of the people that I talk to in the industry where like he kind of finishes my sentences and vice versa, because like, I'm like, Oh, like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like he's, he's thinking about that that way too. No, I, I was trying to wrap up the conversation, but I, you mentioned mentioning that this, this, there's a, a predict, I predict, I think there's a trend right now. Uh, I think it's a good trend. Um, I even I hate the word trends, but I, there's this this movement happening right now where more and more 
top name chefs are getting out of the city and going back home. And I, I feel like you're going to see the, I think the opportunities in this industry aren't going to be in the big cities anymore. They're going to be in the moderate to smaller cities where I think you can be number one right away because you're the I only think that's one. true. Um, you know, if you look like at, at talk, like Kansas city, like there's a vibrant, like food culture in Kansas city that I would never have known about if I wasn't it's everywhere like, working with all these restaurants. Yeah. yeah. And and you can get a, a start there for a, a lot less money, right? Yeah. Um, rents and build outs and all that. Um, that's true. And then also a year from now, there's going to be a massive opportunity in the big cities. Yeah. Cause because, everything's void. Yes. And there's yeah, going to be, gonna be the biggest, have to fill that. If, if I, I, I'm 52 years old, I will probably not take full advantage of that. Yeah. But if I was a 30 year old chef, like I would be looking at the big cities a year from now because yeah. there are going to be tons of leases that are available, mm-hmm. tons of built out places that are yeah. ghosted. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that the, the like, cities don't have the same draw they used to because that's where the opportunity was. That's oh, where it'll be like the roaring 20s, man. You think so? I'm excited oh, yeah. for this. Yeah, it'll be interesting. After, after 1819, yeah. people partied their brains out. <laughs> So imagine all you have to do, (laughs) this is the only thought experiment you need for this. Imagine that there was a treatment, not a vaccine, but a treatment for COVID that was like 99% effective, like tomorrow. And it was like five bucks, right? So getting it, it was like the equivalent of syphilis in like the 19th century, right? Back then you went blind, you died a (laughs) painful death and all that. You know, then comes penicillin along and people for a long period of time had a lot of sex, right? <laughs> Sorry for the analogy. It's if right. this treatment came out for COVID, what would happen tomorrow? People oh my God. Party. party their brains out, <laughs> yeah, right? It'd be sure. like the big concerts would be happening right away. Restaurants would be swamped, all that. Well, at some point in some fashion, whether it happens slowly or all at once, it always feels like things happen slowly and then all at once. All of a sudden, we'll find ourselves somehow, some way, back to some sort of sense of normalcy. The cities will be inundated with people. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, but the people who are moving out of the cities right now aren't going to suddenly wake up in like you know some suburban ideal and go like, oh, yeah, like I, I don't miss going to a great concert on a Tuesday yeah. night or having beer with my friends at that great I think there's that 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 generation of people that were probably going to be moving out in the next five years that just probably got there sooner because they're like, why are we, you know, let's just get out. A lot of rich people that are moving out of the city to like rent out like you know vacation homes and just stay there, right? Yeah, they're gonna go back. You tell me, New York City's not gonna be packed a year and a half from now? Come on, Um, there people will go back in for sure. I I feel that, but I do think there is a ton of opportunity in all cities right now, just because. Uh, it's easier to be number one in a smaller town than it is to go toe to toe with Daniel Balud, you know? Um, So great conversation, Nick. I'll say goodbye for real this time. And I got to say, there is no no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thank you so much. We're trying. Thanks. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Thanks again to Nick Kokanis for coming on the show. Uh, and always welcome back, man. I love what you guys are doing with talk. I love your story. I love your perspective. And man, there's always value dropped whenever you join us. So um, some really interesting stuff came out of today's conversation. It was cool to reconnect with Nick to find out where they're at, uh, to find out what's happened since we last spoke and to get his perspective on the future of the industry. Um, I think it's interesting. I hope, you know, 
know, I, it's crazy what's going on in all these cities right now. People are just vacating. Like, like Los Angeles is like a ghost town from what I understand. It just blows my mind. Um, and I, I, I agree that I think people are going to flow back into these cities uh, real fast. Uh, once things start to loosen up, I think there's going to be a whole new just wave of opportunity for the, the generation that was kind of forced out uh, these people that just, you know, maybe had enough of the city. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The new generation of people that move into these cities, uh, how that's going to influence the, the industry, what kind of opportunity that's going to create for the industry. I thought that was really interesting and really hopeful. And I think we could all use a little hope right now. And uh, I'm just super excited for what's going on with talk. If you guys are interested in talk, uh, please reach out to me, Eric at restaurant I would love to make an introduction uh, for you guys. Um, I would love to grow this relationship and help people connect with the right tools and services. And, um, you know, it's weird because I'm, I'm talking about talk right now. Uh, we also have toast and there's a little bit of conflict of interest there, but I want you guys to know that what I'm doing is just recommending the tools and services that are being recommended on the show. And I'm not paying, I'm not, you know, paying, uh, uh pl- or sorry, I'm not playing. And I'm not playing favorites or anything like that. I'm literally just regurgitating and reflecting back what our our guests are sharing with us and helping you guys point you guys in the right direction and help you find the right tools and services that are right for you and your unique business. And all businesses aren't created equal. So um, I want to give you guys that perspective. I hope you guys got that perspective today. And uh, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 750 if you want to check out the notes for today's conversation and also guys don't forget that we are uh, bringing the industry together uh, together over at run restaurant unstoppable network i would love for you guys to join this community and be a part of the conversation uh literally join the uh, these recordings live and what i want to start doing and I've realized recently that if I'm going to start doing this and I really need to start sharing the vision with you guys and communicating what I would like to do with this platform, um, something I, I'm, we're calling uh, shop talk where I'm literally connecting you, my listeners with my, my guests, giving you guys a half hour to 45 minutes to ask the questions you wish I asked. And this is something I really want to start doing, but the, the truth is I need a, a level of volume. Uh, so many people in the network to make that worth the time of our guests to, to book another half hour with them. I need to them to feel like there's people in the network to make it worth their time. So if you're interested in making some, something like this happen to literally ask your questions and, and talk to the people I'm getting on the show, I think that would add a ton of value. Um, I would love to execute it, but we need volume in the network. So help, help out the show, help support the show, be a part of the network and, and connect with other people who are just like you be a part of the change uh, and get that support. I mean, it's lonely at the top. It doesn't have to be find yourself or surround yourself with other people going through what you're going through. Lean on them. We're stronger together. Head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com and please join. Uh, I'd love to grow this thing. So that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for hanging out this long until next time. Peace out.